Today on Locked On Canadians, it is an all mailbag episode and I'm hosting it solo and we'll be answering questions about what is the greatest nickname in Habs history? Is Mike Matheson ruining the development of young players? And what is the future of Kirby Doc? All of that and more is coming up on today's Locked On Canadians. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 733 of Locked on Canes. And I want to thank everyone for making us your first listen of the day every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe, tell your friends, and hit that bell on YouTube so you know whenever we launch a new video. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online where the game starts. My name is Laura Saba, also known as The Active Stick. You can see it right there on your screen if you're watching it on YouTube. And I'm normally joined by my wonderful co-host, Scott Matlove, Habs Eyes on the Prize, but I'm flying solo. He's taking a vacation. I had a few weeks off myself and we're kind of balancing it out. So you're going to have to bear with me. And today, since there's no game, there wasn't really any news today. Uh, it's an all mailbag episode with all of your questions. I really appreciate everybody who asked a question. There's quite a few of them and they range in topic. Uh, and so I am going to get right to them. But first, I'm going to apologize for the podcast being late. We're recording it at real sad girl hours. Uh, so thank you all for waiting and bearing with us. So, so I want to get started with asking the mailbag questions and answering them myself. This is a weird dynamic doing it myself. Uh, but uh, just so you know, if you want to send us mailbag questions, you can do so. You can email us at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. Uh, you can also tweet them to us at LO underscore Canadians. You can also leave them in the YouTube comments. We're happy with any of those options. Just leave a mailbag a question at any time and we will answer it in the following Friday. And as you've noticed, sometimes we will miss them and we will do extras so that we can catch up on them. So I'm going to, the first one is going to be an email, actually. Like we usually like to start off with, uh, with email questions. Um, and this comes from somebody who actually we met um, at the draft, uh, Richard D. Uh, we, Scott and I were standing outside the Bell Center. It was after day two of the draft. We were standing outside waiting for people and we were going to go, I think, for drinks or dinner. Um, and somebody came up to us and was like, are you Scott and Laura? And that was one of like the highlights of my weekend. Um, a delightful person. If I remember correctly, you're an architect um, and you listen to us uh, at work. So um, uh, uh, we, I do remember you. We do remember you. You were actually like, you know, that was a delightful interaction. And the question is, do you think Kotkaniemi's downward spiral in his young NHL career is principally rooted in his mismanagement by the Habs? Or do you think the, the supposed mismanagement provided an illusion of potential he never actually had? With all the talk about Kirby Doc, it got me thinking about our former golden child. He's on a line with Svechnikov and uh, Martin Nehas <laughs> uh, and has three points to his name this year. 
By any metric, that seems unacceptable. So this is something that's interesting because Kotkaniemi hasn't come up in this market um, in, in a little while, in a short while. We've kind of all forgotten about that. Uh, but I do like that you brought this up because we had a lot of debates when Kotkaniemi was in Montreal about his development and whether the Habs ruined him. And I have to say, I'll be honest, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit that I was wrong. I thought that it was the Habs that had mismanaged him. I think the thing about the potential is that by nature, it's always there, right? So like Kotkaniemi was drafted on his potential. And then at some point, it's what the team invests in you. And at another point, it is what you do. And so, you know, a lot of people argued with us and they said that, no, it was the player. We thought maybe it was the team. Although we do have to agree that there were development issues on the team that weren't isolated to Kotkaniemi and that the, the the Habs are now working really hard to kind of uh, overcome, not that reputation, but, you know, really put those resources into development, like really make it one of their strengths instead of their weaknesses. Um, so I think the new draft class, like if Kotkaniemi was drafted in 2022 instead of, I think it was 2019, please don't yell at me. Do not yell at me. Um, when he was drafted uh, third overall, I think that if he had been drafted into this current organization, it would have been very different. I think the player does have something to do with it, but I think context matters a lot, right? This is a very young player that was offer sheeted mostly as a revenge gimmick, right? It's not that he wasn't useful or didn't show promise at the time. It was really that the Canadians realized that like, it was not worth playing this game and 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 matching the offer sheet and they let him go. So that contract in itself like put a lot of pressure on him. I do think that there was a little bit of mismanagement. I do think that um, too much responsibility was put on him too soon. I don't I still believe that he had that potential. I think that he he just never achieved it. And I think Carolina as well, um, I'm not sure. I'll be really honest. I'm not sure where I would rank them in terms of NHL development, like among all, all the teams, but I feel like he it's at a point right now where he's played enough games in the NHL and he's had enough life experience where a lot of it is going to be in his hands. Now, if you're a Carolina hurricanes fan watching this podcast for whatever reason, and you completely disagree, please let me know. But I do think that the element of mismanagement that we ascribed to the Habs that we assigned to the Habs might have been less than we thought it was. Like, I think it was still a factor, but maybe let's say we were saying it was like, you know, 70, 30 or whatever. Like, I feel like it's a lot more now. It's like, it's 30, 70. Like, and one of the things that we do do a lot on this podcast is, is defend players a lot. Cause sometimes there's a lot of unfair criticism. Um, and we did defend Kotkaniemi. And I think, I think the potential was there. I just think that the failure to reach the potential is really, it's due to context. It's due to, yes, a little bit of mismanagement by the Habs, but also a lot by him as well. Like if I were that, if I were him and looking back, like he's a young player that got signed to a lot of money. Like he signed that offer sheet. I think he probably thought the Habs were going to pay him that. I... I still would have done it. Like it was, it's a lot of money that I was probably never going to see. Right. So I still would have done it. Um, but I think a more mature player would not have done that would have probably leveraged it and talked to the Habs and, and gotten a more fair contract for for him. Cause I think the Habs were also probably lowballing him. Like that's another thing. So I think 
you know, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of things. Like I think the way that Kotkaniemi has handled himself um, is just the it's a hallmark of a young and immature player. Uh, but I also think that I don't necessarily blame him for signing that offer sheet going to Carolina. And I think that so a lot of things had to have gone wrong. And I think this is one of those situations. We talk about that a lot on this podcast, that all the things that could go wrong went wrong. And that's, I think that's what happened to Kotkaniemi's potential. If that makes any sense at all, again, I'm recording this at like one o'clock in the morning. So I hope, Richard, that answers your question. Uh, also, uh, if you see me ever around, uh, please say hi again. That was a really delightful interaction. That's an email that we got from a longtime listener that we really, really appreciate. In the meantime, we've got a lot of Twitter questions that are coming up. But first, I do have to tell you that this episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you're still listening to this one, even though I'm rambling on it. We know you love sports podcasts. You know that you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. So where the game starts for me right now, uh, I guess this is the second period starting. We're in segment two. Uh, is the Twitter question. So I want to thank everyone again for sending so many mailback questions, knowing that I was going to be on my own without a game to cover. Um, and so I'll start with the first question that we received on Twitter. And that will be from Daniel H. Uh, Should I be worried about Caulfield not signing in Montreal? This is really funny because it's something that apparently the GM and the executive vice president get asked a lot. Uh, And we know this because if you were listening to the podcast earlier this week, a lot of listeners also listen to the Raw Knuckles podcast, obviously, or uh, the SICK podcast with Tony Marinero. Great podcast with great guests. And some of those great guests were literally Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon, right? So Cole Caulfield came up and the organization does not seem to be worried in any way. Uh, They are having ongoing conversations and they are being transparent, which this organization has been known to do. It's something that has been one of their strengths. Um, It's something that, you know, they've talked about. It's something that we as fans have talked about. We like seeing that transparency. And it's something that, you know, for example, when Kent Hughes was about to trade Arturi Lekkanen or wasn't sure if he was going to do that, he was transparent with them. Uh, When Jeff Petrie had requested a trade and and, um, Kent Hughes wasn't sure he was going to get the return he wanted, he was still open with him. He was still honest with him. Like, like this is this is an organization with currently, you know, you never know, dysfunction might rear its ugly head if, if there's no success or anything like that. But currently, the organization has a really open, honest relationship with its players, with its assets. So I don't think that there's a possibility right now that Cole, Caulf- Cole Caulfield would not sign here. Uh, the conversations are going. He's ha- He has really good rapport with his line mates, right? He's seeing success. He loves his coach, right? Somebody he idolized. Uh, I think I think one thing that I always think about with Cole Caulfield is uh, when Vinny LeCavalier was uh, in his first press conference when he was hired by the Habs as a special advisor, he talked a lot about signing somewhere because he wanted to play for the coach that was there. I, I believe at the time it was Peter Laviolette and it was in Philadelphia that he was mentioning. So for me, the Martin St. Louis factor and his relationship with Cole Caulfield 
is a particular draw for him here. And I think, you know, you know, he's going to make a lot of money. I don't think he's going to make more than Nick Suzuki money because I don't think you can do that. Like Nick Suzuki is your first line center, but I think that they're going to come to an agreement and the word Jeff Gordon used, I think it was Jeff Gordon um, said that he, he had faith that Cole Caulfield was going to be in Montreal for a long time. So I don't think that there's any reason to worry about that. So our next question is from our lovely, talented uh, old friend Dylan Waugh, who uh, we haven't had on. We haven't. He's been busy. He's had a very. He's led a very exciting life in the last couple of months. But if you listen to the Habs Edition podcast, or if you listen to this podcast, you'll know he's one of our favorite people, one of our favorite guests. Dylan, come back, please. Uh, and his question is: Do you think it's still in the long-term plans to put Doc at center? I would say that it still is because it's early days, right? Like he's finding a lot of success on that first line on the wing with Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki, but it's still early days. He was drafted as a center. He was traded for as a center, which is key. Um, he was developed as a center. And one of the things that the, one of the reasons that they put him on the wing is because right now, the way that he was playing center, like there's, there's certain elements of being a center that he has been failing. A lot of people talk about the face-offs, obviously. I think that's a little bit more overblown than some of the other things that he still needs to develop. And I think that, you know, you kind of have to listen to what both Kent Hughes and what Jeff Gordon said. Like, we're so fortunate that these, that these happened so recently because they give a lot of insight as to what's going on. Um, they both want him to continue to develop as a center, whether they, they're going to leave him on the wing or put him back at center, let's say he, when he's better. I think that's a long-term decision that they're going to make before the Habs are ready to contend. But I also just, I think about, you know, what's in the pipeline. I'm so excited about Owen Beck, for example. And, you know, maybe, maybe I think, I, I believe it was Jeff Gordon, again, all of this stuff. I believe it was Jeff Gordon that said like, he doesn't, don't give him a ceiling just yet. Right. So Owen Beck in the plans. So if, and there's, you know, there's people they can trade for. There's somebody else that they could draft this year. We still don't know where they're going to draft. So I think that it's in the Habs' best interest to put all of their development muscle and resources into making Kirby Doc as good a center as he possibly could be. But I think the fact that he's found a lot of chemistry on that first line with those two particular players, like that might solve the who's going to play on the wing with them. That's another question that Montreal has. Like the two big questions, who's going to be the second line center? And who's going to play on the wing with them? Like those two things, like Kirby Doc could be the answer to either of those questions, just not both. Um, and then I'm going to ask another question from one of our delightful friends, JD. We call him JD South. Uh, he hosts, obviously, the Locked On Anaheim Ducks podcast. Stimpy JD on Twitter. Which team has been the most surprising in the Atlantic so far? And how about the most disappointing? And my answer for both of these is the same. It is the Ottawa Senators. The Ottawa Senators had the best offseason out of all 32 NHL teams. They literally did. I mean, the Canadians picked first and they got a quote, you know, quote unquote, second line center. We're, we're still not sure. They might have found the winger. They, 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 the Canadians made a great trade. They had a great draft, a fantastic draft. But in terms of immediate help, the Senators did the most. Like they got Claude Giroux, obviously, but just think about the value for Alex DeBrinkett, right? Like they basically got him for almost nothing. It's not, it's, it's not, it's not nothing, but it's almost nothing, right? Like, cause we don't know how, who they would have picked with that pick. And we don't know how they would have developed that pick. So I think that they had for my money, like one of the best off seasons. They also got rid of Matt Murray, which was a huge thing. 
And at the same time, they're not good. They're not winning. It's bad. So I'm surprised at their record. I'm surprised at how bad they are. And I'm also like, I think that if I was an Ottawa Senators fan, I would be really disappointed. I think that if you look at the rest of the Atlantic division, things are shaking out like just as, as you would have expected them to with the possible exception of the Canadians, maybe flip the Canadians and Buffalo. Like that would have been the expectation that I would have had for the Atlantic division. But I think Ottawa is like the clear answer. Like they're surprisingly bad. Like even Detroit is where we thought they would be. I just, I think that Ottawa has just been abysmal, even though they had a great off season. You really hate to see it. We have a lot more questions coming up for our mailbag episode and all that's coming up in our final segment. All right, let's continue with our mailbag questions. And once again, if you ever want to send us mailbag questions, you can send them to us at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter. Uh, You can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. And you can leave them in the comments on the YouTube as well. So most of the questions from today are from Twitter and our good friend, Goalie Droid. Since it's U.S. Thanksgiving, who on the team do you think would be the most creative at cooking creative with uh, quotes at cooking a turkey and how bad would the food poisoning be? Now, every time we get a question like this, the answer is always Brendan Gallagher. It has to be Brendan Gallagher, but I'm trying to envision, you know, somebody like, let's say Caden Gooley. There's so many young players on this team, Arbor Jacki, Jordan Harris, um, you know, even no, not Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki, not, not at this point. But, you know, all of all of these young players wanting to impress the rest of the team and having everybody over for Thanksgiving dinner and not knowing how to cook a turkey and maybe not realizing that they have to defrost it and coming up with creative ways to defrost the turkey and and doing all of that. So I'm envisioning any one of the younger guys with the best of intentions uh, being the most creative. Like I think, I think somebody like like Chris Weidman strikes me as somebody who's like really good at cooking. Like he's really good at hosting and cooking and all of that. Like that one, I think is pretty much a given, but in terms of, you know, like, so just so that we don't default to Brendan Gallagher, who's always the answer to the question, what, which Canadian is going to screw this up the worst is Brendan Gallagher. I think, I think I'm going to say one of the young guys, maybe Cade Gooley, Caden Gooley. I think, I think that's what I'm going to say. Uh, Go read right again. And for a hockey question in honor of Suzuki's on ice shooting percentage, what is your favorite hockey statistical anomaly? So here's the thing, Goalie Droid. This is one of those questions that's right up Scott's alley. So I'm going to leave this in the mailbag because he probably has like 50 of them. And we're going to talk about them on a future episode because this is a super, super fun question. My good friend, Jay, Jay Foster, if you listen to yesterday's episode, you kind of know that, that this question is coming. And the question is, what is the funniest answer to which hab is the one human among a team of Muppets? So in yesterday's yesterday's episode, we thought it would be really funny if, if Martin St. Louis was the only human and the entire team was Muppets. The obvious a- answer uh, to who is a Muppet <laughs> or who looks like a Muppet. Um, I can't, it's too mean. 
I, I'm not going to say it, but who would be the funniest answer? Honestly, sometimes I wish Shea Weber were still here because Shea Weber and a team of Muppets would be the funniest thing ever. Uh, but I think Sean Monaghan is the true answer to the question. If we're talking about only people who are currently on the roster, like if you just think about how serious he is, he's got the boring Sean Monaghan reputation. I think it would just be really funny if it was him and just a bunch of Muppets. I think, I think that would be really funny. So Jay, the answer to your question is Sean Monaghan, our good friend, uh, Paul Burnshow. Have we considered asking the Canadians to try either of the following? Taking a pass on reverse retro jerseys for the rest of time or declining penalties like people do in football? My answer to this question is why not both dot gif? Ryan S on Twitter. Since Matheson has returned, Harris and Jacki have both been scratched and Gooley has been forced to play on his offside. Is Mike Matheson bad for the development of our young defenseman? What can we do to fix this? Okay, so to me, the obvious answer is sending one of the younger defensemen to, to the AHL, really. Uh, I, I don't think Mike Matheson is the problem. I think the problem is the entirety of this defense, like just being cobbled together. Like there's some good players on it. I'm not knocking any of their talent or whatever. I think they've just been cobbled together. And and like, if you put yourself in Martin St. Louis' position, like, are you going to come up with better pairings? Are you going to come up with a better strategy? I mean, it's what he's got, right? Like, I think, I think Martin St. Louis is an incredibly smart coach, obviously, but I just, I don't know what I would do with this defense if I was in his place. And I don't think, you know, I think, I think he's better than most of us at trying to figure it out. What can we do to fix this is honestly try to figure out which one of them go, goes to Laval. And I don't think it's unanimous. Some people think it should be Jack Eye and some people think it should be Jordan Harris. So I think it's interesting that people are kind of divided on that. Uh, there's no obvious answer, which means they're both doing good things and bad things. So our friend, Casey D, asks us, who has the best nickname in Habs history? So I think you have to say, I mean, people always say the Rocket, which I think, you know, he he is the Canadian's history. But I think you have to say Boom Boom, because Boom Boom is, it's a great nickname. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I was doing was I'm trying to think of the Habs nicknames. Like I thought about Gump because I used to, I, I love the idea of just like a guy named Gump. Uh, but I had for the longest time thought that Newsy Lalone's real legal name was News was Newsy. And this is something I've never admitted on this podcast. Like, and now I am. So now all of you know this. I literally thought his legal name was Newsy. Uh, it is not. It, he got that nickname because he worked in like a newspaper printing factory or something like that. Um, but the best nickname is Boom Boom because it's Boom Boom. Pocket Rocket is really smart. I like that. Um, and I know people think like Flower is a great nickname. I just think it's a translation of his name. So I think that it doesn't really match the greatness of the man. Uh, but Boom Boom is the best uh, nickname in Habs history. Uh, our friend, like one of our earliest listeners, and we love you, Desobes. Uh, are we happy with the Habs playing uh, 500 hockey? Maybe no chance at a high draft pick, but seeing Cole, Nick, Jacki, and the others get some wins is worth it. I think you can have both. I don't think you're going to get Connor Bedard, but I think you can still have a high draft pick. I think anyone in that top seven or eight is good. We're, you know, on this podcast, we're crossing our fingers for a top five. I think a top five would net a satisfactory player. Like if we're trying to say that, you know, 
the Canadians are going to get Bedard or Fantilli. I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility, but it's something where we have to kind of temper our expectations because I don't think it's likely. Uh, I think the Canadians are too good for that. And, you know, we have long argued on this podcast. You can't take a guy like Martin St. Louis and tell him go out there and lose. You can't take any hockey players and tell them go out there and lose. Like it's not in their nature. The reason they're competitive athletes is because they're competitive athletes. So I think it's hard to tank on purpose. And I think in the absence of that, they're doing the right thing, which is trying to get as much experience as possible to all of these players and also giving Martin St. Louis a chance to flex his, uh, his muscles and, and, and learn how to be a coach, learn how to be an NHL coach. Like he's made a lot of really smart decisions. You look at a lot of their games and you find that the Canadians play really well or, you know, one, one thing that we said was we wanted to see the measure of how they respond to things. And I think Martin St. Louis has been good at that. But I think one thing that I would like to see, and I think would make this worth it, is they is if they could figure out what they want to do with their defense in the future. And if they could figure out a power play strategy that works. Um, but yes, is it is... We like, I'm happy with the way things are right now. Like I can't complain. I know some people want a higher draft pick or some people want, like, if you're, if you're going to be okay, why, why can't you be okay enough to like challenge for a playoff spot? I'm happy with the way things are. Uh, and then Blake G with the recent play of Allen and, and Monty, should Montembeau be getting more starts based on his high performance? I for one think he should. Uh, and I for one, Agree with you, Blake. I think he should get more starts because he's hot. Like, you know, you, you want to ride the hot hand whenever you're you're dealing with a goaltending. But I, I think he deserves it. And I also think that one of the things with Jake Allen is that he gets overused. And that's a problem. With Semyon Montambo, when he was overused last year, and he had a, a wrist injury that he was playing through. So I don't know if you can necessarily risk overusing Samuel Montambo, a fully healthy Samuel Montambo, if you give him a few more starts. I think he does deserve a few more starts. The way that he's played, he's still playing lights out, whereas Jake Allen has come crashing down to earth. So I think I think he does deserve it. Um, our friend Jeff the Red asks, I haven't asked this one in a while. So Suzuki, am I right? You're right. Kenny B, should the Habs loan... Slavkovsky to the World Junior Sh Championship? I think yes. I don't know if they would. Uh, that's a big question mark. But I really think that, you know, we've long had complaints about how few minutes he plays on this podcast. And there's a lot of debate as to what to do with that. You know, some people have kind of started to come around to the fact that maybe he should just go to Laval to play the minutes, even though it sends the wrong message. He's too good for Laval or whatever. So I think if he was playing in an international tournament, he would be the guy, particularly on his team, right? He would be the guy. And I think, you know, he needs some of that, some of that. Uh, so I would be extremely in favor, but I don't know if the Canadians would agree with me on that. Jeff the Red. What is your number one wish for the rest of the Canadians season? Um, fix the power play. There's so many more philosophical answers I could go with that are that have to do with the development of this team. Fix the power play. That's my number one wish for the rest of the Canadian season. That is how bad it is. And then Jeff the Red asks us, this is our final question. What hockey-related things are you most thankful for? Marie-Philippe Poulain, Hillary Knight, the existence of the women's game. Those I'm, I'm very, very thankful for that because, you know, I don't know if you're watching or not. It's going on right now. It is compelling and wonderful hockey. I love it. 
Um, I'm thankful for Nick Suzuki. I'm thankful that the Philadelphia Flyers did not pick Cole Caulfield, allowing the Montreal Canadiens to do so. Uh, I'm grateful for the community that Scott and I have built on this podcast, um, for the most part. (laughs) Uh, I'm thankful for all the friends that I've met through being a hockey fan, being a house fan, being a blogger, being a podcaster, you know, what all, 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 all of the things that I've done in hockey have resulted in me having friends all around the world. I literally hung out with people on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean that I'd met through hockey. So that's a big one. Uh, I'm I'm very, very thankful for that. And I'm also extremely thankful for my co-host, who has been a dream podcasting partner um, and a great champion for people like me, marginalized people in hockey. Uh, So I'm grateful for Scott. I'm grateful for this opportunity to kind of talk to you every, you know, five days a week. And I'm grateful for really like the, the good people that have come together and listened to us. Like, we really appreciate you. Thank you so, so much. And with that, it is the end of this podcast. I survived it. I miss Scott. Um, so he's coming back, not this week, but the, not, not next Monday, but the Monday after. So this upcoming week, I have some fun guests lined up and I might do other solo shows. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I don't really feel comfortable doing them. So this is way outside of my comfort zone. I believe this is the second or third solo show I've done in life. Uh, maybe fourth, if you count, if you count all the bonuses, um, then yeah, this is, this is not my strong suit. So for anybody who has continued to listen to this podcast, as I've rambled on and on and isn't complaining about, you know, whatever I'm saying or my voice, I thank you so much. So I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. And, and, you know, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. Uh, and also please follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can find Scott at Scott Matla. You'll find me at the active stick. And again, thank you so much for listening. I will be back Monday.